insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Uh, what are you doing for dinner? Uh, something else. Groundhog Day, I get it. Over ah. and over and over again. You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. Do you ever have deja vu, like Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. I'll have some of that. Okay, we're going back to Tom in Tucson. By the way, the number is 888-914-9149, sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters, 888-914-9149. So Tom in Tucson, we just got rolling and we had to stop. So tell me if I have it right. Your son, he graduated from college recently. He's going through the aftermath of breaking up with his girlfriend. He's disconsolate. And some kooky secular source is saying, take some medication for that. You obviously know better, and you told him, don't do that, that's dumb. And you're wondering, you know, what other things could you say or do, or what could he say or do that would help him in this aftermath? Do I have it right? Boy, that's a, that is a really good synopsis. And, and, and again, it, also acknowledging that this is a path that we've all trotted on. And then mm-hmm. as parents, now we're in the reverse position. And so, yeah, I'm looking for the, uh, you know, how do we handle this? Yeah, I have a few thoughts. So just to recap, I briefly mentioned that before Nancy and I became a couple, um, I was dating a, a lovely girl, wonderful girl, can't say enough wonderful things about her. And that relationship didn't pan out. And so I spent some time afterward very forlorn because I was um, I was sad and I was, you know, I missed the relationship. And so this is part of life, I think, and most people tend to go through that at least once. I don't wish it on anybody, but I think it happens fairly frequently. And in some ways, it's good because you learn that maybe what you thought was going to be your permanent relationship, uh, that God had other plans for you. And that's just the way life often is. So in my case, I started going out with Nancy at some point after that. And then one thing led to another. Now we're married 43 years with 11 kids and 28 grandchildren. This is how God works. I would tell your son that. And if you want to tell him your own story, if you have a similar story, Tom, I would share that with him and just say, sometimes what you think is what you are going to have and want for the rest of your life Life sometimes takes turns that you're not expecting, and you realize that God has something different for you, and often it's something much better than what you originally thought. No matter how good it was in the first place, sometimes God says, no, I've got something better for you. And I don't mean that one person better than another person. I don't mean in that sense, but for you and your happiness in this life, on your way to heaven, I have a plan that involves this person or this job, or living in that place kind of thing. Maybe it's a vocation to the priesthood. I know, I'll give you an example, Father Burke Masters. He's a priest of the Diocese of Joliet, and the guy is like a a super sportsman. He was a, a college superstar in baseball. And if you look him up, uh, you can even find a, a video clip of, I, I forget now if it was a home run or a, glan, a grand slam, but it was in like the college World Series or something like that. It's been a while since I've seen it. And he was just driven to succeed in baseball. He was very good. 
and he was going to go into the major leagues and all that. But God had another plan for him, and that was to be a priest. And that was not what he was interested in doing until one thing changed, then another thing changed, and eventually he realizes God has something else for me, and he's now a, a wonderful Catholic priest ministering to countless people and serving God's people in that way. That's an example. And I don't know if your son has a vocation to the priesthood. He might, though, and that's another thing that you might mention to him. Maybe get him a copy of Father Burke Master's book. And Cyrus, would you look? I want to be sure we give the exact title, uh, Father Burke Master's, and it's a book about his conversion experience. That might be a good book to give your son, Tom, to give him a sense of perspective of how God often works. Um, I would also talk to him about uh, the reality of seeking God's will. Now, most of us, all of us, I guess, we're all geared in the direction of seeking our own will. What do I want to do? Who do I want to marry? What job do I want to work? And we have to operate at a certain level that way. And, and, and that's necessary up to a point. But if it's divorced from or if it doesn't include a conscious asking of the Lord, Lord, what is your will for my life? You know, who do you want me to marry? What do I do with my life? Is it married life? Is it priesthood? Or what is it that you're seeking for me? So as Jesus says, and I quote this fairly frequently, Jesus says, put first the kingdom of God and everything will be added unto you. So I would encourage him to do that. Make God the center of his life. If he doesn't already have God at the center, just encourage him. You know, Keep God at the center and seek God's will for your life, and he will answer you. You know, maybe not clearly at first, or maybe not as readily as you might like, but just be persistent, and God will show you what you should do. Then the last thing uh, I would recommend, at least as far as dating and girls and such, would be to say, all right, if that relationship didn't work, don't be a sad sack, comb your hair, wash your face, smile, and be open for whoever um, the woman may be that God has for you. And, and to be hopeful, and to be open, and to be cheerful, because those are all positive qualities in any case. And he will see this maybe in time as a kind of adventure. Okay, Lord, where am I going from here? And if you have a girl for me out there, please let me find her sooner rather than later kind of thing. So it doesn't have to be a morose kind of situation, especially if he has his wonderful dad giving him that kind of advice and the other advice that would come from you too, Tom. What do you think? Well, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. You gave me some, some, uh, some pointers. You also reinforced for me that uh, um, well, I must be listening to relevant radio a lot because uh, that's a lot of the advice I've been giving him. I told him the prescription is, is Christ. And I said to encourage him, go to mass. And if mm -hmm. you're afraid you're going to be crying, you know, find a daily mass. They're usually not very full <laughs> and don't worry about <laughs> Sit it. Sit in the back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and it, there's it, no shame it, in crying. There's no shame in no. crying. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, and again, I've tried to explain to him as well as you've communicated, this is something that we all do, right? I mean, I'm a, I, I, I'm my generation. I grew up with the, um, the heavy metal, of course, what they're all famous for now is their power ballads. I mean, Taylor Swift wouldn't have any fame if it wasn't for her heartbreaking breakup songs. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but, <laughs> you know, look at our I've heard of Taylor look Swift. Look at our music. Yeah, I, I think she's a football player or something, but um, <laughs> or dating one, maybe. You can't walk five feet without bumping into Taylor Swift somewhere on the Internet. It's awful. 
Mm-hmm. It's awful. I'm so I'm so excited for the for the Super Bowl to be over. So I'm hoping I don't have to hear about her anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I don't mean to be critical. No, it's fine. <laughs> you know, your son's going through a rite of passage. Not every single last man goes through this, but most of us do. And that yeah. is that, you know, the girl you thought was going to be the girl turns out not to be the girl. And you just move through it and you... Um, I have sons who went through that. I went through it. I don't know if my dad ever went through it. I don't think he ever did, but who knows? It's just part of life. And uh, he'll look back later and he will he, he will wonder, why did I hurt so bad six months ago or a year ago? Why did it feel so terrible then? Because it doesn't feel that way now. Time has a way of assuaging those bad feelings and wounds and things like that. It's just life. Yeah, these are our growth opportunities. This is how we grow. This is how we become stronger. It's like exercising your body, right? Your mm-hmm. muscles get all big and strong. Well, that's through some some kind of some pain and some uncomfortableness. And uh, yeah. yeah, this is this is a learning experience. So, well, thanks again for the advice. And you're uh, welcome. Before you go, I'll just uh, Cyrus was able to get me the exact title. I wanted to make sure I had the exact title. So the the author is Father Burke Masters, B-U-R-K-E-M-A-S-T-E-R-S, and the title is A Grand Slam for God. <laughs> I read this book when before it was published, and I even um, was invited to write a blurb for the back cover, so I was honored to be able to do that. But it, it's such a good story. It's a very, not only a compelling story, it's a very inspiring story. So A Grand Slam for God, A Journey from Baseball Star to Catholic Priest. That sort of summarizes the whole thing, but it's a great read. And uh, I bet, Tom, that you'd enjoy reading it. I know your son would enjoy it, and I'm sure he'd be helped by it. Yeah, that sounds good. Maybe I'll find it on Audible. That way he can listen to it as he's commuting, right? (laughs) Yeah, it could be on there. I don't know. I mean, it just came out within the last year, but I think Audible gets books up there pretty quickly as well. So uh, thanks for the call, Tom, and uh, shout out to your son. Tell him I said hello, and it's going to be okay. Let's go to Lisa now in Las Vegas. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Patrick. Thank you for taking my call. I just have a question in regards, if you can kind of guide me what this process would look like for me. Um, I am uh, in my 50s, previously married, Mm -hmm. and in a relationship with a Hindu man. What happened to the first marriage Um, before we proceed? What happened to the first marriage? (laughs) There there have been three, um, two divorces and one, um, well, three divorces, one passed away. Okay. Let's talk about the first one, because um, this will have a, an effect on how I can respond to the question about the current Certainly. gentleman. Okay, so in your first marriage, uh, I presume you're a Catholic, is that right? Baptized and confirmed. I am, I okay. am, but I've never been married in the church. Okay, was the first man that you married a Catholic? Was he also baptized? He was not. Okay, and you were not married in the church, so he was a non-Christian. And you didn't get married in the mm-hmm. church. So that right. then would be invalid as a lacking canonical form. Okay. You'd still mm-hmm. need to have the church make a declaration. So we'd need to have an official declaration that that marriage was null. But I think that it would be pretty much pro forma. I'm not a canon lawyer, so don't take my word for it. Consult with a canon lawyer. But you would need, first of all, to have the church examine that first marriage and then make a declaration. And I think it would okay. be kind of an open and shut thing because you you lacked canonical form, which is to get married in the church and have your marriage witnessed and blessed by a bishop, priest, or deacon. So that didn't happen. 
The second marriage, what about that one? So the second marriage, baptized Catholic, however, he had been previously married in the church. Okay, so that too would be invalid. He's the one who, who has passed away. Okay, so that's that's an interesting detail, and that doesn't change the that marriage at the time, but it does, mm-hmm. you might say, decomplicate things a little bit because he's you would no longer if it, and it wouldn't be judged as a valid marriage, but even if it were, you would no longer be bound to him because he's deceased. So we can mm-hmm, move. Right. To, what about the third one now? So the third marriage, um, he was baptized Catholic. However, he was, um, in his adulthood, became an atheist. Okay. And you got married by the Justice of the Peace or something like that? Yeah, exactly. So also invalid for lack of canonical form, etc. So before we talk about the gentleman you're interested in now my strong advice to you would be you need to find out if you are eligible to pursue marriage with this man. And I think the answer is going to be yes, just given what we talked about a minute ago, especially with the the problems with the, the first and the third marriage. And so the way to have that certitude that you are free to pursue a relationship, and we'll come to him in a minute, you need to initiate this process of annulment. Talk to your pastor at the at your local Catholic church and ask him to initiate the process, explain to him, and in obviously in whatever greater detail you need to. And then the church will investigate it and in due time, probably sooner rather than later, because of the nature of this issue, the the church would very likely say, Yes, that marriage was null and the second marriage was null. Once you know that, then you would know that you're free to pursue marriage because that means you're, you're not already married. The church presumes the validity of marriages until it can be shown that they were invalid or unless it can be shown that they were invalid. And that's what you need to do. Now, let's talk about this, this fourth gentleman in the abstract uh, right now. So he's, mm-hmm. he's somebody that you're interested in. And forgive me for all of that preamble, but it's important that we go through that in order to understand what to say about this situation. Um, no, this is exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> Thank you. So so he's a Hindu, obviously not a Catholic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. has he been married before? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So you have all kinds of issues that you would need to deal with. So... Let's just summarize what I said before. Your prior marriages, especially the first one and the third one, that would need to be taken up in this, what we call the annulment process. The church would look at everything, would see the lack of canonical form and so on. My guess is that the church would declare those marriages null. And that's just a guess, but you need to go through the process. You need to have an official formal declaration on the part of the church. Now, I mean, the church could, I mean, not in this situation, I don't foresee that, but the church could say under different circumstances, you know what, you actually are still validly married. So you're not free to pursue a relationship. I don't foresee that in this case, but that's how it sometimes turns out. So in this case, not only do you need to do those steps for yourself, but he too has to go through this process, even though he's not a Catholic, for this reason, that 
marriage as an institution established by God with Adam and Eve in the garden predates all religions. So it's a natural institution that is valid unto itself, all other things being equal. So if two Hindus get married, they're not Catholic, they're not baptized, they don't know Jesus, but the church would say that unless it can be proven that there was some impediment or something that would prevent the marriage from being valid, the church presumes that their marriage is valid. It's a natural marriage. So a marriage between a baptized person and an unbaptized person, or a marriage between two unbaptized people, let's assume that that describes his situation, the church assumes that that's valid. And because it's valid, it's, in, it's insoluble. You know, Jesus says, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So that extends to couples who are not Christian. They too have valid marriages unless it can be shown otherwise. So this is why he would need to go through this process. And he would say, well, what do I care what the Catholic Church thinks? I'm not even a Catholic. I don't even believe in Jesus. But Mm -hmm. for your purposes, if you want to have clarity and know whether or not he is eligible to get married to you, he would need to go through that process. Okay. That way, if after deliberation and due diligence, the church determines, hmm, she was never validly married and he was never validly married, then you have a green light to consider marriage. But before then, you really don't. Neither of you do. Okay. All right. That's, okay, we'll go through that. You process. seem a little discouraged, and I didn't mean to discourage you. No, 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 no. And and also, since I know that he won't probably he won't convert. I mean, I'm I'm praying on it a lot, mm-hmm. but okay. as of right now, he won't convert. Let's say that they, the church says yes, you're you're fine, you're free to marry. Mm-hmm. Would I have to get? Um, some sort of permission for the marriage since he's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, and you can get that. Christian. Yeah, so it's okay. it, so this is in this case you would get a dispensation from your bishop, and it would okay. be for what's called disparity of cult. Disparity mm-hmm. of cult means that it's a Christian and a non-Christian, or let's say it's a Catholic Christian and a non-Christian, somebody who's not baptized. So you could have a valid marriage with him. So let's assume that all this preliminary stuff that we talked about comes back from the church saying, yeah, Lisa, your earlier marriages were invalid. His earlier marriage is invalid. The two of you are eligible to get married. And you say, well, he's not a Christian. Can I receive a dispensation to marry a non-Christian? The bishop says yes, sends sends a letter. You get married. You would have, again, all other things being equal— you would have a valid, natural marriage. It would be, till death do you part. You couldn't, you couldn't okay. say a year later, well, we're going to get divorced because he's not... It would be a valid marriage, meaning that you're bound yeah, to no. each other for life. Yes. Which is presumably yeah, what you'd yeah. want, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And but what the main about, thing is being able to... Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just thinking out loud here. I mean, I need to also mention that you are in a way setting yourself up for unhappiness if you and he can't even agree on who God is and how to worship him. It goes back to the call I had earlier today, and that is a mixed marriage inevitably has a kind of built-in 
difficulty at the very center. So I would think carefully, very carefully about marrying a non-Christian for mm-hmm. that reason, because, you know, five years into it, a year into it, six months into it, what happens if the two of you are squabbling over, well, you want to go to Mass, and he doesn't want you to go to Mass, and he wants you to go to the Hindu temple with him, and you don't want to do that. I mean, that sets up some potentially serious problems. Uh, yes. Yeah, you're right. Um, these these are conversations that we've already had, and we both respect very much our individual religion and our practices, and it's... Uh, that I don't foresee that becoming an issue. Okay. Okay, just something to keep in mind is all. Um, yeah, well, I, hope... and I will. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I realize it may seem like, oh, this is so complicated. But, you know, we want to do things the right way. This is how, how seriously the church takes the bond of marriage. It wants to preserve it at all costs unless it can be shown to be null. Thank you, Lisa. This hour sponsored by Christendom College. Send your child to Christendom College's high school summer program, The Best Week Ever. Use promo code RELEVANTRADIO and get 50% off. Spots fill up very quickly, so apply today at thebestweekever.com. That's thebestweekever.com. Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can climb. Patrick Madrid is on Coast to Coast on Relevant Radio. I got you, babe. That's an interesting song. Haven't heard that one before. Yeah, it's good. All sunny and share. In the last 15 minutes, I haven't heard it. Uh, let's go to, hmm, let's go to Rocio in Arizona. Hi, Rocio. Hi, Patrick. Hi. So um, there's been a lot of chatter about marriage and the different situations, and I wanted to share my story. I'm actually divorced and remarried, and I have gotten the dispensation and okay. um, and now pursuing and hoping to get married soon through the Catholic Church with all of the blessings from our priest. Well, that's wonderful. So I'm assuming then you went through that, what we call the annulment process, right, to find out if you were eligible? Yes, I did. And when I first started, I wasn't even sure I would be able to be granted an annulment. But mm-hmm. I did find out that there was lack of form in my okay. first marriage. Okay. Um, and then I was really looking to pursue the Catholic marriage and getting that blessing with my now husband. Mm-hmm. Um, we got married civilly. And um, he's a Christian, but not a Catholic Christian. So we had okay. a little bit of a mixed situation there. Um, but... We're in agreement of raising our children Catholic and um, had just completed our final step, which was NSP. And now we just have to get our paperwork in order and set the date. And well, that's good. Great. And so your first marriage, um, you received a declaration of nullity, as you said. Um, I don't mean to be indelicate, but for the sake of people who are listening and thinking about, well, maybe that fits my situation. I presume that the priest counseled the two of you to live as brother and sister for the time being until your marriage is blessed, right? Well, I wanted to be married in my first marriage to the Catholic Church, and um, we did have that conversation with our priest. It never happened, and in through life, we ended up getting divorced. I was his second marriage. 
Okay. Um, and he had been previously married Catholic. Okay. Um, so it was a delicate situation. Yeah. Um, and then through life and, and maybe, you know, interception of God, we ended up going separate ways and divorcing. And that was something okay. that was a heavy burden for me because I felt like I had been living in sin and, you know, in an adulterous situation with a previously married man. Um, so, you know, once I was able to go through this process and find that there was lack of one, there was a huge relief just mm-hmm. in able to be free to marry um, right. and, and do it the right way. No, that's wonderful. I'm really happy for you. Truly, I am. Um, the the question I'm asking, though, is, and as I say, it's not because I'm trying to poke into your private business, but for the sake of people listening, the the step that would apply in your situation, because your marriage that you're in now has not yet been convalidated, right? Correct. Okay. So the point is that until that time comes, the idea would be to live as brother and sister. Yes, and, correct. In my current marriage, even though we're legally married, mm-hmm. um, in order to, you know, do things the correct way, you should have to live as brother and sister. Yes. Okay. And that's what I meant. I didn't mean to be indelicate because it's obviously a personal issue. But uh, in the abstract, no, no worries. For people, I misunderstood. I, I okay. thought it was the previous marriage. Ah, I see what you mean. Yeah, because I know there are people, men and women, listening to you saying, oh, well, that kind of describes where I'm at. And they should know that in order to be truly focused on being right with God, having a, a happy, holy marriage, you know, doing the right thing, morally speaking, that that part of it is part of it. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that everybody listening understood that part of it. Right. I mean, everybody aligns the marital act as, as part of marriage, and mm-hmm. and it's part of the um, you know marital training that you undergo to be able to respect each other and give each other times where right. you are not physically intimate, and especially when you want to enter into a, a Catholic marriage, um, right. and and giving each other that space to really focus on faith. Right. Now, that's good. I'm really delighted for you, Rocio, that things are moving in that direction. And doesn't it feel, I mean, don't you feel a kind of sense of joy that you know that you're doing things the right way and that you're right with God? And I can't help but imagine how wonderful that feels for you. Absolutely. You know, there's always a burden of, of the flesh, right? And um, understanding that and mm-hmm the grace that comes when you do get the actual blessing is so much more worth it. And then personally in my relationship, growing in different ways with myself mm-hmm. um, and, and learning things and, and having that validation that it's not just a physical relationship. Um, I think deepens the, the bond of the marriage. So true. So true. Well, I'm happy for you. I really am. And may you and your husband have many happy years together. Thank you, Patrick. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, Rocio. Uh, let's go over to Ron now in Milwaukee. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. Uh, yeah, Patrick, a priest told me I don't have to get a moment if I don't plan on getting married again. My problem is what happens to my children. Oh, yeah, that's true. So if you, so I presume that you're talking about a divorce from your first wife? Yes, I'm not married again. 
Okay. Is there any chance that you and she can reconcile? Because that would be the ideal situation to restore the marriage. Is that possible? No, it wouldn't be because uh, she doesn't believe in God. Or I think she does, but she's not of my faith. I married outside the religion. I see. So there may be the case that even that marriage might have been invalid. Um, Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. Is it so I don't have to get an omit? I yes, know a lot of people have left the church in my family, and I don't appreciate it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't so, think- yeah, just to answer your question, yeah, th- that's absolutely true. You don't, you're don't. you not a- obligated to petition the church for a declaration of nullity. No one is. Mm-hmm. It would only become something that would be necessary if you wanted to attempt marriage. If you wanted to get married again, let's say, yeah. then it would be necessary. But if you have mm-hmm. no plans to remarry, then it would not be necessary. Well, I'm too old for that. <laughs> I thought it, you're never too old. That's what I've always heard. Well, I know. I'm say almost seventy years old. Uh, you're still you're still pretty young, but I know what you mean, Ron. So if if your goal in life does not include trying to find out if you can get married, so be it. And you, the priest is absolutely correct. You don't have to pursue an annulment because there's no need for it. What do I have? To, what do I do about my children if I try to get them into this place? Are you thinking about would that render them as illegitimate if you were to yeah, get a oh, declaration? Not illegitimate. I know that, but he sa- he says I know they're still my kids, but they just you know it's hard. Some people worry that if and when they receive a declaration of nullity, commonly called an annulment, that that somehow makes the children of that marriage illegitimate, and it does not. That's a common misconception. Uh, has nothing to do with legitimacy of the children at all. So yeah. if that's part of what you're concerned about, you could you could dismiss that because it doesn't in uh-huh. any way speak to the status of the children. Uh-huh. Okay. They're still your children. They're still the children, the legitimate children of that marriage. Uh, so there's no change in status whatsoever. Because I tell them I'm Catholic, and I say, you're Catholic, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> they don't know what to say. Well, keep on trucking, Ron. Keep on trucking yeah. and keep on listening to All Relevant right. Radio. Oh, I do. I promote you, too. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. Okay, let's go to Teresa now in New Jersey. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning. Uh, This is a comment on an earlier call regarding the Xavier Society for the Blind. Okay. I wanted to to give everyone a heads up, actually a cautionary tale. Um, I discovered several years ago that they promote James Martin. And his books, they actually invited everyone to come to a conference where he was the speaker. And today, before I called you, I looked it up to think, well, maybe they discovered the errors of their ways. But no, mm-hmm. they actually on their website say that they are proud um, disseminators of good Catholic teachings and wonderful Catholic authors, including James Mark. So huh. if that's your cup of tea, by all means, join. <laughs> if not, I would stay away from it because it's not mine. Yeah, I I understand, and I understand why you hold that view, Teresa. I'm thinking of St. Paul. He said, test all things, hold fast to that which is good. I'm wondering about people who are blind who really desperately want good material, and although I didn't do a deep dive on the Xavier Society website, it looks to me like they do have some really good material there. It's unfortunate that they would also have things that are, let's just say, not good material. Um, sometimes you have to take the good with the bad and you, you ignore the bad and you take the good. Um, are there enough things there that would be 
problem-free in your experience? I mean, I only heard about this group today, so I don't have any real familiarity with them. What about people who say, I really just want to listen to the Bible, or I really just want to listen to, you know, some other book, let's say by Fulton Sheen, and they can obtain it there. Um, it, I'm with you. It's unfortunate if groups sell things that are not good. I'm thinking about going to the grocery store. If you need butter and whatever other food you buy, and that grocery store in its pharmacy also sells condoms, well, that's really too bad. It's a shame that they do that. But I don't think that would stop me from going to the grocery store to buy the, the butter and milk and bread you know, that you need to no, eat. I understand. No, I understand what you're saying, and I agree. I think the problem I have is that they're calling it good Catholic teaching and good Catholic, great Catholic authors so that people who don't know any better will mm-hmm. think that he is that and he's not. You know what I'm saying? If they're, if they're oh, I do. I society, do. Yeah. I do indeed. I would discourage anybody from reading bad books or books that are mm-hmm. misleading for sure. So I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, Teresa. I do. Okay. All right. I just want to let people know so they I'm can be aware. You well, thank you for that. Good info. 888-914-9149. Let's see. Uh, I think we can go to Elizabeth before the break. Elizabeth in Texas, good morning and welcome. Good morning. I have a question is regarding my 20-year-old, soon-to-be 21-year-old daughter. She has an intellectual disability. And um, last year she met this young man and at school. He's uh, about, like, he's 20. And, well, he's about to be 20, so they're a year apart. And they say they love each other. They started dating. And I'm just wondering how should I proceed with this? Should I allow her mm-hmm. to date? He also has a disability. How mild or let's talk about your daughter for a minute. How mild or severe is her disability? Can she live on her own? Could she move you know, into an apartment and work a job? And even though she has the disability, could she still carry on a life? on her own if she needed to? I think it would, it would require some, uh, training, but I, maybe I'm being, uh, too, uh, um, aspiring on, on my part, but, uh, yes, I think she would be able, yeah, optimistic. Yes. And, uh, yes, I think, uh, she would be able to live on her own. Okay, so let's let's pause there for a minute. So with some evaluation from the competent authorities, physicians, psychologists, whoever would be in a competent role to be able to say, in my professional opinion, yes, I think she could, or no, I don't think she could. I would seek out some professional validation for your optimism. I mean, you're her mom, you hope for the best, but it would be good to have it verified, let's say, with somebody who's got that kind of training. And let's say that that's what they say. And and so now you have a kind of moral certitude that your daughter could live on her own. Then the next question is, could this young man do the same thing? Would he be capable intellectually, emotionally, etc.? And the same would be a, a question for her. Would these two people be capable of entering into 
holy matrimony, and I guess I'm assuming there that they're both baptized, but could, could, would they be capable of entering into marriage with the demands of marriage, including the possibility of children? So one thing I would definitely say don't do is don't follow some secular advice to say, well, she should go on the pill or she should have her tubes tied or he should have a vasectomy so that they don't wind up having children, et cetera, et cetera. That, of course, would be wrong. So we wouldn't in any way countenance doing that. But if their mental state and their emotional state was sufficient that they could welcome children if God blessed them with children and they would have sufficient wherewithal to raise those children. And again, this is where you would need, I think, some professional advice, a second opinion, psychologist, um, therapist, physician, that kind of thing. And if there was reasonable certitude that they could live on their own and manage their finances, maybe they might need a little help or a little supervision, that's possible. Um, But if they could if they could live the married state and be able to welcome children if children come and raise children, then that's that looks to me like a pathway forward. But if either your daughter or the young man or both cannot do that, then they're really not apt candidates for marriage because they couldn't live out the demands of marriage. They wouldn't be capable of it. It's not something negative about them. It's not their own fault, but they just wouldn't have the necessary um, abilities to be able to live out the demands of marriage. So that's what you'd yeah, have to and, find and, out. Into, into the mix, uh, he doesn't practice any religion. We are devout Catholics and um, the, the family or himself. Uh, I think that's a secondary issue. It's but, an important issue. Yes. But at this point, it's secondary because we're not even sure whether or not your daughter is capable of marriage. Correct. You see what I'm saying? So even before you talk about the the faith disparity, you'd have to find out if she's even an apt candidate for marriage. Same with the young man. And I hope it works out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a wonderful thing when people get married. And I've known some people who have intellectual disabilities and they're married and they're doing well. Thanks be to God. So check that out, Elizabeth. Thank you. And I'll be right back. Join Father Rocky this September for a pilgrimage to Poland and Prague. You'll visit the lands of St. John Paul the Great, St. Faustina, Our Lady of Czestochowa, and the infant child of Prague. Seats are limited. Information at relevantradio.com slash Poland. That's relevantradio.com slash Poland. This is one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. Patrick Madrid is on Coast to Coast on Relevant Radio. I got you, baby. <laughs> I got you, baby. I'm impervious to this. So what's going? what happens, it's funny at first, and then it gets annoying, and then it gets really funny again. Yeah, it's like when you're slap happy. You just... I don't... Yeah. Someone wrote an email and said that I need to lighten up because <laughs> of this. Yeah. yeah. It was Nancy. Not my Nancy. It was another Nancy who wrote in. Um, I'm okay with it, Nancy. I really am. I can take it. Cyrus can dish it out. That's true. But I can take it. Um, let's see. You want, you want more? Then 
Please, sir, no more. Yeah, right please, now. I don't want another. Please, sir. May I have no more, sir? Please. Um, let's see. Let's see. 888-914-9149. Sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Real quick before we go back to the phones, uh, I want to remind you that your Lenten journey can be made with Father Rocky this year in his Lenten Lessons on the Mass, sponsored in part by National Center for Padre Pio. Free daily videos, bite-sized explorations of prayers, postures, uh, all things about the Mass. It'll re-energize your faith and your appreciation for the season of Lent. And you can sign up. It's all free. Lots of good stuff there. These videos are great. Just go to relevantradio.com slash Lent. Let's go to Mike now in San Diego. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for your patience. Hey, good morning, Patrick. So about a month ago, I called looking for some resources. A friend of mine who goes to a big Baptist church just knows that there's something special about the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he went to Mass with me, and he's on a really good path. You recommended Surprised by Truth and Scott Hahn's conversion story. Yeah. So he's progressing. He's seeking the truth. Um, he's read a ton and he's has lots of questions about the Eastern Orthodox Church, and so mm-hmm. where he is right now in in uh, let's just call it his investigation. But he he's going to convert. I, I I know that he will. But where he mm-hmm. is is he thinks that when the Eastern Orthodox Church broke from, or when he called it a schism, and I don't know if that's what it is. It probably mm-hmm. is. When that happened, he thought that they were in the right and it was the catholic church that was breaking away that that's that's what his take is right now mm-hmm. and he, he has lots of questions mm-hmm. um so i if you were in my shoes how would you respond um to that type of discussion and then mm-hmm. also at the end of all this if you can tell me he wants me to go to a eastern orthodox uh, mass with him and i think that's allowed and then i can take the communion there but i want to double check okay so what we can we can talk about that first and that'd be an easier question to sort through so you could go to let's say it's a greek orthodox church you could go there you if you're traveling or you're unable to get to mass at a at a catholic church you could even fulfill your sunday obligation under some circumstances there I don't advise it because, I mean, if you're going there just to, to observe it and see it, I mean, that's fine. You can do that. You have that right. They will not allow you to receive Holy Communion if they know that you're Catholic. And they would be able to tell by how you come up to receive Communion. Uh, they, by the way, call it the Divine Liturgy, not the Mass. It's the same thing, but they have a different name for it. Um, so, yeah, you could go, but they're not going to welcome you as a a believer who is able to receive Holy Communion. Just be aware of that. Okay. So that's something to keep in mind. To go and observe it and see it for what it is, I think that's great. Um, I would prefer, if I were in your situation, I would prefer to go to, let's say, a Ruthenian Byzantine parish. There's one in San Diego. It's called Holy Angels, and it's just north of Mission Valley on the hill, and uh, it overlooks Mission Valley. You can see it. It's a little... Um, kind of a cube sha- cube-shaped church. And when you go there for Divine Liturgy, you'll be seeing the Divine Liturgy 
that you would see, so it's the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, you'll be seeing essentially the same thing that you would see at a an English language divine liturgy in an Eastern Orthodox Church. Not all of them are in English, but many are in the United States. But that's that church is Catholic. In other words, it's in the Byzantine Rite. And in the 1600s, the Byzantines reunited with the Catholic Church. This is why they're so scorned and vilified by many Orthodox people. They call them uniates. That's a, an epithet. It's a put-down, a derogatory term. Those uniates, they, they went back into union with the Catholic Church. They despised them, in fact, for that reason. But the reason I mention them is because if you went to Holy Angels in San Diego, you will be seeing essentially the same thing that you would see at an Eastern Orthodox Church, depending on which one you go to. So you might say to your friend, look, if this appeals to you, and I could see why it would, the beautiful icons, the divine liturgy, uh, the various tones that are sung, the way the, the divine liturgy is celebrated, the smells and the bells and all that goes into it. I mean, it is a truly beautiful thing. And if your friend wanted to become Catholic, he could become a Byzantine Catholic. And he could enjoy all those aspects of the East and still be in union with the Catholic Church. He would be Catholic. So that's something I would check out. If you, you mentioned a book, I would suggest that he get the Warren Carroll series of uh, the history of Christendom. And in particular, uh, you would want, um, so in, in volume two, that volume is called The Building of Christendom, and it goes from the Council of Nicaea in 325 all the way up to the schism in the, in the uh, actually, it, it includes the schism, and it ends in the year 1100. So it takes you right up through that great schism with the East and the West. And this is a Catholic account of what happened. So if he's interested in, in seeing, well, how does the Catholic Church explain what happened and who left whom, etc., that book by Warren Carroll is a magisterial, well, I shouldn't say that. It's, it's not magisterial in the, in the ecclesiastical sense, but it is a masterful and, and well-footnoted, well-documented account of what happened. So that would be a resource he could look at. I would recommend a book by a former Greek Orthodox believer, James Lakoudis, L-I-K-O-U-D-I-S. He converted to the Catholic Church from Greek Orthodoxy, and he knows all the arguments that they use that your friend is hearing backward and forward. So he's written a number of books. One of the most recent books that he's issued is called The Divine Primacy of the Bishop of Rome and Modern Eastern Orthodoxy. And it's cast in the form of letters to a Greek Orthodox believer in which they're sort of debating back and forth the this question, well, who left whom? Did the Catholic Church leave Orthodoxy or vice versa? What's the evidence say? So that would be an example of a book that would help your friend see more clearly based on the patristic evidence. Another one, and I'll leave it at this, I don't want to bury you in book recommendations, but another one would be the... Um, the book called Rome in the Eastern Churches by Father Aidan Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S. He's a Dominican priest scholar at Cambridge, and he's written many wonderful books. This one happens to be an overview of that very issue. What happened? Why did this split occur? And who did what? So that would be another book that you could take a look at. All right, this, this is perfect. I'm actually going to have him uh, play back and listen to everything that you said. Perfect. And by the way, that church that you mentioned, so when, 
when he went to mass with me as we were heading back north, um, he noticed that church up on the hill that you just referred to, uh-huh. and um, and there was a little sparkle in his eyes. So um, maybe that's where I'm going to go observe, and maybe that's where he's going to do the same. Yeah, I can tell you right where it is. So if you're if you're in Mission Valley looking north, it's right off the 805 freeway. It's up on a hill. And yep. you can see it's kind of an orangey color. It's got some onion domes on it and um it's it's hard to miss. And when you go north on the 805, you're going to get off on Mission Center Road and then you just go into that neighborhood where the parish is kind of tucked back in there. But um it's easy to get to. And they have divine liturgies every Sunday, at least two, if not three of them. And uh, I think it'd be a wonderful experience for both of you to see how the Catholic Church looks in that context. It's funny because I've driven by that a thousand times and never really paid attention to it or knew what it was until he pointed it out um, Uh, after Mass. Well, that's great. Well, who knows? Maybe going there together and meeting the people and talking to the priest, and he may say, you know what, this is where I want to be. Um, It's just a great little parish. Now, I know from experience, Mike, because Nancy and I, although we're Latin Rite Catholics, we we always have been, always will be, um, when we were living in San Diego, we attended that parish for three years and really loved it. And our children were, uh, most of them anyway, were um, chrismated and communed there. A few of them, a couple of them were baptized there. So they experienced the sacraments in the Eastern setting. But it was a wonderful experience. The parish was great. The, I, I can't say enough good about it. So I think you and your friend will find it very interesting. Excellent. You know, I've heard you tell that story before. I didn't realize that was the church. So That was the church. Now there's even more reason to go. Yeah, yeah. I hope it's, um, I hope it's a great experience for you. So check that out. Uh, if, if he wants to see the traditional Latin Mass, which I would also strongly encourage, you can drive up the coast and go to the traditional Latin Mass at the Mission San Juan Capistrano. Have lunch at El Adobe Restaurant right down the street, and uh, that would be another good thing for him to experience as a as a Protestant considering the Church. I mean, I'm sure he can go to the new Mass anytime he wants, but for him to also see the traditional Latin Mass, the Mass that the great saints all knew, that would be important as well, I should think. Yep, I need to do that too. And then last thing, Patrick, maybe all of the listeners can pray for Andrew and his conversion. Indeed we will. Indeed we will. And I'm here for Andrew too. If he ever has a, if he ever has a question he wants to call in and discuss, I'd be happy to do that. So thank you. And I, I'm glad and I want to encourage you, Mike, that you're doing something that a lot of Catholics neglect to do, and that is to you know, to be helpful and encouraging to their non-Catholic friends to show them around the Catholic Church. Hey, come on in. Take a look around. That's always a good thing. And uh, with that, I think we've reached the end of the line for this hour. We have a whole other hour coming up right after this. And the Catholic Order of of Foresters has sponsored a number just for you. So call 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We'll get you on the air. We have a little bit of space. You can grab it. But call now, and I'll be right back. Don't you have some kind of a line that you keep open for emergencies or for celebrities? I'm both. I'm a celebrity in an emergency. 